Welcome back, Podcast Land, for another episode of Caffeinated Bible Chatter. We got the sword out in front of us. It's sharp. We got the coffee in front of us. It's hot. It's it's dark, and it's strong. What's going on, Dylan? Life is good. My coffee is not as dark as as Kyle's here. Uh, he prefers his black. I've said it before, but I, I've heard some things about the black coffee drinkers. But you know what? I can say this, that Kyle is more of a man than I am. I love coffee and I love the taste of it, but just not a fan of, of black coffee. I, I'm not a fan of light tan coffee either, though. I like it somewhere in the middle. I like a good, neutral brown. Uh, obviously, that is a coffee to, to creamer ratio uh, situation. And I like mine brown, and so that's what I'm sipping on across from Kyle here. All right. Um, over the past few weeks, if you missed some of those, go check them out. Uh, we talked about, Dylan kind of gave a story about South Carolina and all that. Um, and we talked about the will of God two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about prayer, which ended up, we thought was going to be short and quick and ended up yes. being the longest one yet. Uh, so that was about an hour and 20 minutes, but uh, <laughs> push through it. It's good. Uh, <laughs> I think this one will be shorter. I feel like yeah, it will yeah. be. We said that last time, but I do feel yeah. that way. They're, they're, everybody's thinking, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I said that at church, too, and uh, <laughs> normally, not always, but normally it doesn't pan out well, but I do feel that way about this one. Yeah. Uh, but we're getting back into the the end times discussion we've been having, um, that prophetic calendar we talked about. The We talked about the rapture. Uh, we talked about the, the tribulation going on. Um, and then we talked about the judgment seat of Christ, um, and then the white throne judgment, millennial reign, all that stuff going on. Um, and now we're getting into eternity, um, which some things we say today may, may sound a little crazier. Uh, I guess you'd say we, we're, we're not saying this as, as doctrine per se. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some <laughs> things, there's some things that will be pretty cut and clear from scripture. And then there's some other things that we'll say, because Essentially, what we're looking at today is is Revelation 21 and 22. Last two chapters in your Bible, uh, and primarily cha- chapter 21, but it is both chapters. And so there's it's just limited on how much the Bible says about these things. Uh, there's obviously, like I said, there is clear-cut stuff that we can see. But so some of the things we say, we actually we will believe, and we have reasons for believing that and cross-references for believing that. But some of these things will be... Uh, there is some speculation involved, and we will try to make that clear when that is the case, and that'll be a good part of it. Um, but we're going to try to break it down as simply uh, as we can, um, because, like I said, at the end of the day, this is where everything leads to. So all the things that Kyle just laid out, uh, again, rapture, first thing on the prophetic calendar, uh, rolling in at the same time the tribulations going on, down on earth, uh, those of us that are believers will be experiencing the judgment seat of Christ, then the marriage supper of the Lamb, then we come back with Jesus in the actual second advent, the second coming, the millennium takes place, the great white throne judgment, and then that is actually, because the great white throne judgment is at the end of the millennium, and that's where we actually pick up in eternity future. Um, so it'll be, a, it'll be a wild ride, uh, but I think this will be a good cherry on the top for our prophecy series that we've finally gotten back to to finish it up yes so it should be good so sounds good <laughs> yeah well so kyle i guess if, uh we'll, if you and if you've got your bibles and you follow along with us that's great and so like i said it's revelation 21 and 22 primarily uh, so kyle maybe if you want to read 
Let's see. So let me say this: uh, Revelation twenty. This that was the last time, last thing we looked at with uh, the prophetic stuff. And in Revelation twenty is the millennium. Uh, the beginning of Revelation twenty is the millennium, and then the end of Revelation twenty is the great white throne judgment. So if you look in at Revelation twenty, uh, verse twelve, he says, "And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and, and another book was opened, which was the book of life." Uh, he's talking about being judged by their works and opening those books. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So, and this is the second death. So this is where the lake of fire becomes reality. So those that already are without Christ and that have passed on, they are in hell right now, but eventually... They will stand eyeball to eyeball with the Lord in death and hell. Those that are in hell will actually be cast in the lake of fire, and that will be their final resting place. So this episode, we're obviously talking about those that know the Lord's final resting place, um, but that is the final resting place of those that do not know the Lord. Um, and then verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Then that brings you to chapter 21, and this is immediately going into eternity future, which is going to set the stage for how things will be forever. So this is the, the time, this is the place where time actually is no longer a thing. So you always think about, we talk about, you know, when you die and you go to heaven, there is no more time. Okay, well, that is true at to this point when you get to Revelation 21 and 22, but we still will have to go through things that are based on time, such as the millennium, which is a thousand year reign, even the judgment seat of Christ and the, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, that's going on while there is a seven-year tribulation. So that's obviously based on time. So there will be time in eternity, but once we get to this point, this is where there no no, no longer is time. And so it, it, it leads us straight into it. And Cal, if you want to read Revelation 21, maybe uh, maybe just the first, uh, maybe the first two verses. All right. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay, so, yeah, so there's, um, here in eternity future, we see new heaven is created, a new earth is created, and then in verse 2, new Jerusalem, a new city is created, and so those things in the past are the, 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 the world that we see now, everything, which by the way, we'll be back here in the millennium, so it's not going away immediately uh, as we've talked about, but those things uh, will be in the rearview mirror. Uh, now let me say, actually Isaiah 65, let me, let me go there. Isaiah 65 talks about this, and Isaiah is a really cool book because it is literally a microcosm of the Bible. So Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Word of God has 66 chapters. And there's a, there's a transition from chapter 39 to chapter 40, just as there is in the Old Testament, New Testament. There's a lot of examples. Uh, talks about you know, John the Baptist coming, all those things. Um, but, but Isaiah 65, which, by the way, is the second to last chapter in Isaiah, which is interesting to me because we're actually in the second to last chapter of the entire Bible now in Revelation 21 reading these things. But Isaiah 65 verse 17 says, For behold, I create uh, new heavens and a new earth, 
and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So once we get to this place that we're in in Revelation 21, in eternity future, where there is no time and things are, are, uh, are like this for eternity, um, again, he's, he's done away with the, 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 the world as we see it now. He creates a new heaven. He creates a new earth. And he uh, creates a new city, which is called uh, New Jerusalem. So, uh, I've, I've, as I always do, I have broken down. And Kyle, if you want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Um, as I always do, I try to break down some simple talking points and we'll work through this. But I, I wrote down four questions uh, that we can analyze to dissect or, or to figure out exactly what all of this, this stuff is talking about in Revelation 21 and Revelation 22 and, uh, and try to make sense of it. Uh, so the, the first thing I have written down here is who will go where? Okay, so I just mentioned there's three places. New heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem. So who will go where? Now, why that's important is because, again, we're in eternity future at this point. So this is not just the church. This is not just the 2,000 years of the church age. But this is people that knew God in the Old Testament. This is people that knew God in the tribulation. This is people that knew God in, during the millennium. Because, again, remember... In the millennium, there will be people. There will be people that live through the tribulation that get saved. Okay, again, differently than we do, and they will have children in the midst of tribulation. The Bible even talks about woe unto them that give suck during this time. I think that's exact, I think that's the wording it uses. Yeah. Uh, but so that will be happening, and those kids have the opportunity to to know the Lord uh, again. It's a different dispensation. Things are different in the millennium. But people will still be, will be uh, living in, in the flesh during that time, even though you and I as Christians will not be because at the moment of the rapture, we get our glorified bodies. But So it's important that we say that because there's these three different places that the Lord creates. Uh, so we got to figure out, hey, you know, I want to know which one of those places am I, am I hanging out at? Where am I? Because again, this is where I'm going to be for eternity. So it's where a big deal. Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 32, and Kyle has that, breaks down the three, and we've talked about this before in dispensationalism, but the three people groups of scriptures. Go ahead with that, BK. Yeah. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. That was 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Yeah. So that's always the three people groups of scripture. Um, and that is why, you know, we talk about context and we do talk about dispensationalism and and uh, the audience of the book matters because, you know, different different time periods, different people groups, God was saying some different things. Um, so what we believe, we know this very clearly, that New Jerusalem is for the church. Okay, I think it's verse 9, uh, Revelation 21, 9. He says, and there came unto me, let's see, and there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And this is in twenty in verse in chapter twenty one. He is breaking down stuff about New Jerusalem. It's actually in verse twenty seven, the end of the chapter, where he talks about the lamb's book of life. Okay, all this stuff is connected with the bride of Christ, and so New Jerusalem is is created essentially for the bride of Christ, which is is you and I, it's the church. If you know Christ, you're part of the bride of Christ. Okay, so, but again, there's, there's two other people groups. You have the nation of Israel, uh, and you have um, Gentiles that come to know the Lord. Now, again, uh, we, we know from Scripture that when, even if, it, even if somebody's a Jew in this dispensation in the church age, if they come to know Jesus, there is no Jew or Gentile in the church. 
Because that's what Galatians, I think, 3.26 says. I think it's Galatians 3.26. Okay? We're all one. We're all in one body uh, under Christ when we come to Christ. But in, again, in different time periods, in the Old Testament, there was certainly a distinction between uh, Gentile and the nation of Israel. Even in the tribulation and the millennium, same thing. And so we, we got to figure out where all these people groups are going. So again, the New Jerusalem is for the church. Uh, the new earth, we believe, is for the nation of Israel. And then the new heaven is for saved Gentiles uh, in the tribulation and millennium and, and even in the Old Testament because there are certainly some Old Testament people that come to know the Lord and stuff like that. Um, so those people, uh, those Gentiles will, will be in the new heaven. Again, the nation of Israel is in the new earth and then the body of Christ in New Jerusalem. Now, I will say this, um, those other people groups outside of the body of Christ, they will still have access to New Jerusalem. And we're going to get into some of those things, but there are gates that will be open. Uh, they'll have access to that. Um, again, that's kind of a weird deal. I don't know how all that'll look. Maybe some teleportation stuff going on. Jesus certainly did that in his new body. And it, the church will have new bodies. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how, though. Maybe there'll be a bridge from the New Jerusalem to the New World. I don't know. Um, but they will have access to it. Now, this is something that I think is very important. In order to be a part of New Jerusalem, somebody has to have eternal life. Okay, now, when you study eternal life, um, the only people or the only time period where eternal life is a thing while someone's on earth is the church age. So if you were to do a study on the phrase eternal life, we know that when we get saved now, that's why we believe once saved, always saved. We believe in eternal security. Once somebody gets saved, they have eternal life. If somebody could lose it, that would be temporal life. You can't lose something that is eternal by definition of the very words that it says. But in order to have access to New Jerusalem, somebody has to have eternal That person has to have eternal life. That is why it's created for the church, because we got eternal life the moment that we trusted upon Christ. Um, so let's look at, uh, let's see... Or Kyle, read Revelation 21, 24. So this shows us that the other people groups will have access to New Jerusalem, and then we'll kind of break down how they get eternal life through New Jerusalem. You said 24? Yeah, 21, 24, yep. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Okay, Just so, right. yeah, so we're... So we're jumping around here, um, and you may be thinking, well, what's the context here? Well, again, the, the context of Revelation 21 is it's talking, you can look throughout the chapter, you just read the chapter, and it tells you pretty much a lot of what we're going to say uh, during this episode. But it's breaking down that, that in this, it's talking about the, uh, the New Jerusalem, it's talking about that city. Okay, so these people, these uh, nations, okay, is what it's breaking down, they will have access to it. Okay, but again, I, I did make mention that I believe you have to have eternal life in order to be a part of New Jerusalem. Well, the problem with that is I said that in those other dispensations, like in the Old Testament, for instance, there was not eternal life. That's why David says, and again, you can reference back uh, the dispensationalism episodes for this stuff because this is we don't have time to discuss all of it, but that's why David in the book of Psalms says, take not thy spirit from me, and he's talking to the Lord. Okay, we don't say that now because... The Spirit of God is the earnest of our inheritance. He's the down payment. He's the earnest money. He's not going anywhere. We are sealed, is what the Bible says. 
and they, but they certainly were not in the Old Testament. They certainly are not sealed in the tribulation because Matthew 24 says that they have to endure to the end. So there is no sealing. There, eternal life is not eternal. Okay, so how, so how do they have access to uh, New Jerusalem and how do they actually get eternal life so that they can take part in New Jerusalem if they, uh, if they, if they want to do that? Well, uh, really weird thing, and this is where stuff can kind of get strange if you've never heard this stuff, uh, but they actually get uh, eternal life from the tree of life. Okay, so uh, one of the things, and we're going to talk more about this here in a second, but one of the things that is in New Jerusalem is the tree of life. Okay, and, uh, Kyle, if you want to read Revelation twenty-two fourteen, and I'm going to go to Genesis three and read a couple of verses. Twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Okay, so these are the people that are not already in New Jerusalem. Again, those other two categories that I broke down. And they have, if, you know, they have right to enter the gates because of the tree of life. Okay, so, so why is that? Well, the tree of life actually gives eternal life. Now, again, if you don't, if you don't rightly divide scripture, that sounds crazy because, you know, again, you're saying, wow, you know, salvation is all about just trusting Jesus. Okay, yes, for this dispensation, that is correct. But in this, in this time period, eternal life, because they have not already received eternal life, that was not a thing in their time period that they were alive. They have access to the tree of life, which will give them that uh, very thing. Okay, if you were to go back to Genesis chapter 3, that's where the, where the tree of life shows up, right? You have Adam and Eve. All the stuff happens in the beginning of Genesis 3 where Satan beguiles Eve. Uh, he tricks her. She, uh, she eats of the fruit. Adam then eats of the fruit. Sin enters in the world. All that stuff takes place. Well, what happens? He boots them out of the garden, out of the Garden of Eden, right? Well, Genesis 3, 22 says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. That's eternal life. That is why verse 24 says, so he drove out man. So because of what we just read in verse 22, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims in a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So man, this book really is cool. The Bible is cool when you start comparing scripture with scripture and you see this whole thing that that, that is why he had to get them out of the, out of, uh, out of the garden because what happened? He said that in the day ye eat thereof, of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that ye shall surely die. Well, we've talked about this before. They didn't die physically. They just didn't. Uh, but they did die spiritually. Sin entered into their life. And so God realized, hey, you know what, man? In this garden that they're in right now, there's a tree of life. And there's a, a, a loophole, if you will, to where they can have eternal life, even though at this point sin has entered and they no longer have it. They can, they can streamline this eternal life through the tree of life. And so here we find ourselves back again in Revelation 21 and 22. And that tree of life is in New Jerusalem. It's cool to see how the Bible goes full circle pretty much. Full circle, you know, yes. Paradise, no sin, tree of life. Yep. And then again here at the end, paradise, no sin, yep. tree yeah. of life. New, New Jerusalem is, 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 yeah, very similar, a lot like... Uh, the Garden of Eden. And, 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 you know, again, that's what's crazy is 
even lost people that they don't know that they're doing this, everybody is trying to get back to the garden. Okay, what is, okay, we're in America, the American dream. What's the American dream? At the end of the day, the American dream is to have money, have wealth, have health, have things, uh, you know, easily accessible, have a good, easy, resistance-free life. Okay, that's what people desire. Again, I'm talking, uh, you know, even about lost people that, that don't know the Lord. The problem is everybody's trying to get back to the garden without the Lord. And that's how, that's how most of the world is. Okay, but the only way that we're ever going to get there is through obviously coming to know Christ, the, the Christian life, and then eventually where he takes us into eternity future, it does come back full circle, which is such a cool thing. Um, so those are the three. So that's where people will go. So who will go where? Well, those three people. Those three people groups go to those three, those three places. Again, the church, New Jerusalem. Uh, again, we don't have to eat of the tree of life because we have eternal. If you've trusted Christ, you've got eternal life right then. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We receive that by grace through faith. Okay? And so the New Jerusalem is for the church. Again, the, the new earth is for the nation of Israel. And the new heaven is for uh, Gentiles, essentially, in different dispensations other than the church that knew uh, the Lord. And again, you find those three people groups in 1 Corinthians 10, 32. And that's not just for eternity, but that's throughout the whole, whole entire Bible. That's always important to know who uh, the Lord is dealing with in that specific passage. Should we go into... Uh, so we, we, we have a weird theory. This is kind of on the side. And Kyle, you know, we've talked about some of this before. But what's interesting is we know as believers in the church age... When, we're, when the rapture takes place, whether we're alive at the moment of the rapture or dead, because it says the dead in Christ shall rise first and all that. Okay, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with him in the clouds. Okay, we at that point, we receive our glorified bodies. But what you don't find in Scripture is that people from these other dispensations receive glorified bodies. And so because of that, again, I may mention earlier that people will still be having babies in the millennium. We actually believe, weird stuff, that people will continue, not in New Jerusalem, not, not the church, but those others in new earth, in the new earth and in the new heaven will still have the ability to reproduce offspring, to have children. Okay, possibly, I mean, again, we can't bust out 10 references for you on that, but based on the fact that we can't find clear teaching of scripture that they get glorified bodies. Again, all those things of the glorified bodies is to the church. Um, so that could very well be a possibility. And again, what we know for sure, people are still being born during the tribulation and during the millennium. I mean, the millennium itself is a thousand years and life is continuing to go on. It's just for those of us that know Christ, uh, that is, you know, that is, we're, it's about Christ's kingdom and we've already lived our life here and now. Um, so that's something to consider, which is, uh, pretty wild and pretty crazy so yeah that's why that tree of life is so important here yeah chapter 22 of revelation because the the ones being born in the millennium so they're they're born into that sin nature still mm -hmm. i mean they gotta eat of that fruit to get rid of that nature. yeah god is no respecter of persons he's gonna make that available for them it just looks differently than them bowing their knee and trusting christ's payment for their sin debt like it just looks it's them walking through a gate and eating a tree of life. Yeah. Uh, and again, if that sounds crazy to you, I mean, we're just literally the verses we read. Again, I'll, I'll mention them to you. So in case you want to study this out for yourself, 
Um, but it was Revelation, or it was Revelation twenty one twenty four, which very very clearly lays that out that they'll have access to the tree of life. And again, what does the tree of life uh, what does that produce? Well, according to Genesis three twenty two and twenty four, it gives eternal life. And so, uh, it's really just a wild thing. So that's where that's where different people groups will go and where they'll spend uh, eternity. Uh, number two, the second thing I wrote down is what all is in New Jerusalem. Okay, so if you're alive today. And if you're listening to this, then you are. Praise the Lord. Um, and you've trusted Christ, then you are a pot, you are a part of the body of Christ. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, okay. Again, once you get saved, no matter what the ethnicity is or anything, we are one in Christ. And so, in this, we know that our final place in eternity is New Jerusalem. So, again, that's that's uh, I reckon why the Lord breaks down so much of New Jerusalem. All of chapter 21 is about New Jerusalem and part of 22. But yet, if you do study out new heaven and new earth, there is not near as much information. Matter of fact, if you do word search on it in your Bible software or whatever, you just don't find as much. Uh, Why that is, I don't know, but that's the way the Lord has directed it and laid it out. Um, So in this, man, what is in New Jerusalem? That's where we're going to be for eternity. What's What's all going down there? Okay. Well, we find, and Kyle lets you read a few references here, but we'll, we find that there are 12 gates of pearl. So we hear so much about that, you know, the gates of pearl or whatever. Well, that's the thing here in New Jerusalem. And so, Kyle, if you want to read uh, Revelation 21, 12, and 13. 12 and 13. And had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. Okay, so there's those there's those gates that we saw that the other people groups, Israel and Gentiles, not in the body of Christ, will have access to so that they can get to the tree of life. All right? Well, also, and then verse, uh, Cal, if you want to read verse 21 as well. 21. Uh, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. So there we see those gates are pearl, and that is again where people talk about those pearly gates, right? Um, so those gates will be a thing in New Jerusalem uh, around the city. Uh, okay, so we all, we see that there's there's gates uh, of pearl in New Jerusalem. We also see that there's walls of jasper. So Kyle, if you want to read verse uh, 18 and 19 in the same chapter. 18 and the building of the wall of it was of jasper. And the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, uh, wow, chalcedony? Yeah, I guess. Oh, that, <laughs> I don't know. The, the fourth and emerald. Oh, there's a ton of them. You want me to read all of them? The, oh, yeah, keep going. The fifth, sardonyx. Uh, the sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, Topaz, the tenth, uh, Chrysoprasus, yeah, the eleventh, adjacent, the twelfth, and amethyst. Yeah, that was that's, very torturous of me to put wow. big guy through. That's why I asked him to read that. that so, <laughs> but okay, so there's the walls of Jasper, and again, if you've grown up in church, like these are the things, gates of pearl, walls of Jasper. Like, these are the things that we grew up learning about. You know, uh, very common things talked about. Okay. We also see this is no doubt no doubt about it the most popular thing that we've always talked about, and that is that there are streets of gold. So, Kyle, if you want to read verse twenty one, and the twelve gates were twelve twelve pearls. Now my whole language is messed up. 
Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. All right, so streets of gold there. We again, we people talk so much about that, and it's it's so it's such a pure gold and so uh, flawless that it looks like glass. I, I reckon you can see through see your reflection is what I'm taking from that passage. So uh, we see there's twelve gates, gates of pearl. We see there's walls of jasper. And maybe you've heard these things and you didn't know where to find the Word of God. Well, here you go. It's in Revelation 21. It actually does talk about it. We see there's streets of gold. And, the, and there's more things than what I have listed here. I'm just kind of hitting some major things. And the last thing that I have written down here is that there is absolute light. There is absolute light in New Jerusalem. So Kyle, if you want to read uh, verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So... Again, in the beginning of chapter 21, what does God do? He, he gets rid of, of earth as it is now. He creates a new heaven and a new earth. And in that situation of the new heaven and new earth, um, he, he has no need to recreate a son uh, because he is the light. And we see that there in verse 23. And uh, he literally lights. I don't know how that'll work. Uh, just believe it by faith for what the word says. But he will literally light uh, the entire city. Okay, so that would lead us into the third question and, or that I have written down here, and that is how big is this city? How big is this city? And so, Kyle, if you want to read uh, verse 16. 16 to 21. Or, or 21, 16, yeah, yeah. Uh, 16. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Okay, so... A furlong, so so evidently it's like a it's like a uh, you know a box in the sense that the height, the width, and the length are all the same. Okay, and it says that there are twelve thousand furlongs. Okay, well how long is a furlong? Well, there's eight furlongs in a mile. So if you simply take that twelve thousand uh, times eight, that brings you to, to fifteen hundred miles. So this this city, it's not it's not a small city, of course. It's, it's obviously massive. It's 1,500 miles wide, it's 1,500 miles long, and it's 1,500 miles tall. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know why it specifies how tall the city is, unless the Lord is building some really tall stuff. And we know it talks about mansions over in John 14. A lot of people got a lot of different takes on that, on what that is. But nonetheless, uh, he lets us know that, that is, it is the same size in those different directions. So again... Eight furlongs in a mile, uh, and there's 12,000 of those bad boys in every direction, which is, is 1,500 miles. So it's a big city. One of the guys that we, we study behind, he actually breaks this stuff down, um, but it's, it's literally equivalent, like if we were to put that on a map and like lay it out flat or whatever, it's literally equivalent from, from, from taking a, a if, if this city started in Miami and went all the way to Canada, like Montreal area, and then went from Washington, D.C. all the way to, to Denver, to Denver, Colorado. So this is, this is, no, this is no small city, and, and we have to understand that it wouldn't be a small city because just for the church alone, just for the 2,000 years of the church age and some change, of course, uh, there's a lot of people that come to know Christ. And so all these people are, are living in, in that. And, uh, and the, again, the guy that we studied behind talked about if there were... Uh, you know, I think he, he said like nine or 10 
Did he say? Does he say? Does he say in that nine or ten million Christians in that time frame, yeah. or, or is it nine or ten billion? Or billion, yeah. If there was nine or ten billion Christians, that's enough space still for everybody to have an acre of land. Okay, yeah. so that just to give you some context, whether that'll happen or not, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but just to give you some context for how big this city is, okay. So it's not like we're going to be in New York City uh, crowd. Now, obviously, again. There's absolute light. Christ will be uh, in the center of that, and He will light. How He lights that much space? That's why I said I don't know how to work. How would it will work? But I just believe it by faith. He will light that entire city, and that's a big city. Uh, I can't imagine Jesus sitting in Georgia and lighting Montreal, Canada. Okay, if we were to do that map scenario we gave, but that is what it says. So there will be no need for a sun. He will be the absolute light, and uh, it's obviously a massive, massive city. So there's literally enough room for everyone that's ever lived to be there. Yes. We just know that ain't. Uh, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's right. <laughs> but it shows you, again, that there's the church age, uh, all those from the church age that are saved, and then, again, those from those other, uh, you know, new heaven and new earth, that they will have access in there. So it's not like we're, we're going to be, you know, as believers in, in New Jerusalem, we're not going to be like, here comes some Jews again. Entering the gate over from from new, from the new earth, boy, I tell you, things are getting crowded. It's not, you know, the county that I live in. People complain because they're like, boy, I tell you, it's growing too fast. We're building too many houses. Things are getting crowded, and it is. It's getting crowded. We won't be saying that though, okay? Because God obviously knows what He's doing. He's worked this whole thing out. So it's really cool to think about, okay? And then the fourth question. This is the final question that I that I have written down here. Uh, again, a little bit shorter. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe it'll average us out into a better range comparison to last week. But number four, so what's the application for me? Okay, well, uh, obviously, we've been breaking down New Jerusalem here and kind of and showing what Revelation 21 says about that. Okay, if you're listening to this for whatever reason and you're not saved, well, uh, New Jerusalem is not your final destination. Your final destination is, re- at the, is the end of Revelation 20, and that is the great white throne judgment and being cast in the lake of fire. And that's just what it says. Okay, so the obvious application is for those that don't know Christ or for those around us that don't know Christ, that ought to urge us to say, you know what, need to evangelize. Need to, to preach the gospel and make sure that they know where the truth lies. Okay, but a little bit further into that, okay, so how does all this apply? I do, I do find it interesting. I will say that, I meant to say this earlier. I do find it interesting that when people talk about heaven now, okay, so what it, what happens when a church age saint, when someone nowadays is a, that's a believer, what happens when they die? Well, they go to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. That's what Second Corinthians, I think it's Second Corinthians, First or Second Corinthians talks about. Okay, so that's the thing. They they go to be with the Lord. There is no purgatory. There is no holding place. There's none of that stuff that Catholicism and other things teach. Uh, but what I do find interesting is that when people describe heaven now, like the heaven that people go to now before all this stuff gets here, they always describe New Jerusalem. Grandma's walking on the streets of gold. Yeah, the streets Kicking of gold, the them, of gate, them gates of pearl, <laughs> the river of life, you know. Um, now, I, you know what? Maybe there are streets of gold in the, you know, where, where people, the heaven that people go to now, that where God's throne is. and all. Maybe there is. Um, I certainly don't know. Uh, but like I said, all these things that we've broken down, this is our future. Uh, this is, again, when God destroys uh, heaven and earth and creates a new heaven and earth and creates new Jerusalem, that is where uh, all that actually takes place. 
So, but again, what is the application for me if I know Christ? Like how, uh, how does this doctrine, how does the facts of, of Revelation 21 and 22, well, how does that charge me or challenge me in my life? Okay, well, for one, it ought to just make us consider eternity in general. Like I said, to be better evangelists, to, to share the gospel, to be focused and single-minded on eternity. Um, but I've actually mentioned this in an older episode, and, and it, it fits so well here, so we'll go back to it. But what I actually believe, and this is one of those things that has some speculation to it, but I, I believe I have cross-references to prove it. Um, but it's one of those things, if you disagreed with me, uh, I'm not going to call you a heretic or anything. Um, but I believe that the the crowns that we can we have the opportunity to receive. Okay, so we're living in the church age. We've trusted Christ. We're called to, to live and to work for Jesus Christ, to, to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice, to do those things, right? Okay, and then when, when the rapture happens, we stand before Jesus, eyeball to eyeball, the judgment seat of Christ. Some people are saved, yet so is by fire. They're entering the, the millennium. They don't, they don't get rewards at the judgment seat. They enter the millennium, uh, and they are not ruling and reigning with Him as, as though they could have, okay? All those things take place. But we also, on the flip side of that, there will be people that actually receive crowns and they receive rewards. There will be people that Jesus look at, looks at and says, you know, well done, thy faithful uh, servant. And I just gave you the NIV version of that, but that's okay. Uh, God, God bless that. Um, but nonetheless, there will be people like that. And that's obviously what we should aspire uh, to be true in our life. Um, so there's five crowns mentioned in the Word of God, or I believe there's five, maybe six, but, but probably five. Um, and, and, and in this, we know that those crowns are made of gold and we know those crowns are made, uh, they have some precious stones, uh, in, in the midst of that. And so what I believe is that as Christ and Kyle, if you want to read revelation 21, 23, one more time after I say this, I believe again, Christ, he is, the, he is the light, right? He is reflect. He is he is giving off his light. He is the absolute light that lights the entire city of New Jerusalem. Okay, and what happens when light reflects upon gold? And what happens when light reflects upon precious stones? What well, it, it it magnifies it. It is it's it's beautiful. It's a pretty thing. It shines off of those things, uh, and therefore gives more glory to the person that is giving the light, which is Jesus Christ. So, can I read? Revelation 21, 23, one more time. I'll read 19a with it. it yeah, okay. And the found, it goes with your precious stone. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Mm-hmm. Now jump down to 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Okay, so yeah, so 19 talks about the, the walls of Jasper, but the foundations of those walls is precious stones. And then we obviously see in verse 21, the, the streets of gold. And then again, uh, uh, what was it, verse 23, Three, yeah. that he is, he is the light. Okay? He is the one that is, that is shining. There's no, new, uh, no need for a moon, no need for a sun. And so those things are reflecting Jesus. By the way, the same thing that we're called to do now, we're called to be a moon, right? You like that Chris Tomlin song? It's pretty good. We're called to be a moon. And Jesus Christ is the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness, according to Malachi. And we're to reflect him simply in our lives and bring him glory. Well, in eternity, that is a, a real life example actually taking place physically. He's the light. And we are simply what it could be 
that our works now, if done with the right motives and for the cause of Christ, that it could be that those things, the, the, the rewards that we receive from that could actually reflect Christ's glory for all of eternity. And again, there's no time period in this. This is forever. And that's hard to even think about. Uh, but this is for eternity. It will never stop. And it could be the way that we invest our life now can bring that kind of glory to Christ for all of eternity. And you know what? We'll be all knowing in eternity. I believe we'll know, uh, just like we'll be able to tell at the judgment seat who did what, just like we'll be able to tell at the marriage supper of the Lamb, just like we'll be able to tell at the millennium. But it follows us all the way into eternity forever. We'll be able to know, I believe, uh, who invested their lives in, in, in what. Did I invest my life in carnal things? And you know what? I'm just there, whatever. Or did I invest my life in spiritual things? And so where I get that, again, those things that we just, those verses we just read, but if you were to look at Revelation 3.12, this is what's really interesting. In the seven churches in the first three chapters of Revelation, there's an overcomer in each section. What we have here in Revelation 3.12 is the overcomer of the church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia was already a stud church. And again, all these times represent time periods in the church age. We're in the Laodicean period now. But listen to what Revelation 3.12 says. It says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. Okay, a pillar is a support system. It's a thing, something you build upon. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is... Okay, he's writing upon this pillar, which is a person. Okay? Which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. So that's really an interesting verse. And again, if we're just going to take the Bible for what it says and not try to spiritualize it, not try to, you know, that's a hard verse to understand, so whatever, I'm not going to care. Okay, it's talking about people that are living their lives, invested in the right things, being a pillar in this thing, and him, him riding upon these people, building this city upon them when that city is New Jerusalem. And again, what's the context of Revelation 3? It's the, it's the church. It's, it's the church of Philadelphia specifically, but it's people in the church age that have, over, that have overcome. So I, I, think there's some st- I think there's something there. Again, maybe you don't adhere to that and you think that's crazy, but I don't think I'm crazy for believing that. I think I've given you at least enough information to say, you know what, maybe there is something to that. Uh, and so I believe, again, what we invest our life now I say this all the time. I say this at the, at the church that I attend because it burdens me because I've had friends and I know people that they have fire insurance. They have, I, I believe, legitimately come to Christ. They have legitimately believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. But they have a mindset that says, I'm content with, with missing hell and going to heaven. Okay, and I always say this. You may say that now. If that's you, I mean, you're listening to a podcast on your own, probably not you, but let's just say it is or somebody you know. That person may say that now, but there will be a day and there will be an eternity where that person will not feel that way. Now it beats going to hell. It's still, they're still going to be in the presence of Jesus. All those things. I'm not saying it's going to be a bad situation, but I'm not saying it's going to be the best situation either. They could have invested their lives in the right things and then Again, at the judgment seat of Christ, been thankful that they did. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, been thankful that they did. In the millennium, been thankful that they did. And then in eternity, in New Jerusalem, for all of eternity without time, 
be thankful that they invested their lives in the right things. And that's what I believe the takeaway and the application is of all of this, is it literally follows us in every category of eternity, how we invest our lives after coming to Jesus Christ. And that ought to fire us up. Yes. Amen. Amen. That was good. That was good. <laughs> For, well, 40, 44? Yeah. That's probably respectable. That'll bring our average down from last week yeah. a little bit. So yeah. I like it. Yeah. Let's see. I'll, I'll add this one last thing. This may be one of those that people think is crazy, oh. but we'll we'll just we'll we'll say it anyways. I like it. Uh, but earlier I was mentioning the you know Bible being full circle started with tree of life, paradise, no sin, and we see here again at the end of Revelation as the the same stuff going on. Um, and Adam and Eve in the beginning were commissioned with being fruitful, and multiplying, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so that the commission has always been that be fruitful, and multiply. Isaiah 45, 18 says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So in this verse, it mentions he created the heavens and the earth to be inhabited, right? So if Adam and Eve didn't sin, if if the eating of the fruit never happened and they were continuing to, to be fruitful and multiply... This earth couldn't contain all the people, right? That's right. It would, it would eventually, the, the earth would overflow. There would be right. too many people. So then you get to Hebrews 11, 3. Uh, Through faith, we understand that the worlds, plural, were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And again, that world's right there in Hebrews eleven three is plural. So maybe, just maybe, we're on this earth for a period of time until that the sin we're living in is, is dealt with, mm. the, the sin and faith is settled, and then maybe one day that commission of being fruitful and multiplying in eternity will maybe we'll maybe we'll be out there in in the universe on other places. You never yes. know. Again, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Some teleportation going on. We'll have glorified yeah. bodies. We do. We going through walls like Jesus did. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it and study it out for yourself because there's a good chance that it's true. (laughs) This may be the last episode people listen to. Oh, man. All right. I guess that's a good one. 46 minutes. I like it. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you missed the last one, check check that one out. It was about prayer. Uh, But this one wraps up the the end times discussion. Mm. That's it. I think next week uh, or next episode or whatever, I think we'll be – we've kind of talked about and stuff, but I think we're going to dive. We we mentioned it last episode, but we're going to dive into some King James stuff. I would encourage you before we even get into that, um, man, if you're somebody that, if you believe in the King James and that's what you study, then obviously listen to it. We want you to listen. But if you're somebody that thinks that that is an overkill or people are mean spirited that view that, we're going to try to take an approach to literally show you why we believe that. Um, We were both raised, me and Kyle were both raised in a church that we were taught that the King James Bible was the perfect Word of God, but we had to come to a place in our own lives where we didn't just we didn't just adhere to that because that's that's the way we were raised, but we actually adhere to that because that's what we believe, and we know why we believe it. And I think it's important for everybody to know why they believe it. Um, and so I would encourage you to tune into that coming up. I don't know how long that'll last, but we're going to try to break that down as simply, uh, but as also as clearly and detailed as we know how. Um, and we'll, that'll probably be a few week thing. So be looking forward to that. I am. Yes. All right. Thanks for tuning in. 
stay tuned for the next series. We'll see you all in the next one.